Central Church, great to have you here, great to see you, and welcome to those who are joining on our live stream and online, thank you. My name is Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking today, and as I start today, I just have a question for you, and the question is this, have you ever been in a situation where maybe someone in authority has um, sent you somewhere? I'm thinking of a few particular things, especially as Gary, who was helping lead this morning, was a principal. Has anyone ever been sent to the principal's office? This is a safe place. You're allowed to <laughs> say it. I told you the story before that uh, I grew up in a very small school and um, a long time ago, and the speakers weren't very good, and they're, so I was known as Joey Crummy back in the day. So if anyone, if my kids, if anyone meets me and calls me Joey, they know I, they're from Pugwash. And there was another girl, uh, similar class, her name was Jody Cummings, so it was Joey Crummy and Jody Cummings, and so it was always like, hey, Joey, Crummy, please come to the office. And so we'd always show up at the office and say, was that you or was that <laughs> me? But I don't think I was ever actually sent to the office. I missed the hands. Did anyone sent to the office? Oh, my soul! <laughs> What a reformed, redeemed bunch we are. That's great. All right. Well, I didn't expect on that confession time that many people to be honest. Um, and yeah, I was going to say, and a few of us aren't even admitting that we were sent. Well, today we're going to be talking about being sent, and we're going to see that Jesus is the sent one. And we've been doing this whole thing of really uh, the last several months, beholding Jesus, and we're looking at different aspects of who Jesus is, and we've been reminded again and again from the book of Hebrews that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, that he's the author, perfecter of our faith, that he's got a race marked out before us. In order for us to run that race and not get distracted and off track, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And we're looking at different aspects of Jesus, and this morning we're going to do the same thing. We're going to look at a different aspect of Jesus, and we just went through Christmas time, our favorite time and if there's ever a season to understand that God sent Jesus it's Christmas that God sent Jesus we sang about it all this morning in the words to the songs that he is Emmanuel God with us and the passage we're going to read this morning is actually at the other end of Christmas we're at we're going to go all the way to the end of the book of John and the context is this is when Jesus is getting ready to return to heaven and he meets with his disciples. So we're, it's just a sh couple of few words, but Jesus, he died on the cross. His disciples who were following just so absolutely got it. Like, they just can't believe Jesus has died. But Jesus resurrected from the dead, and under fear and all kinds of different things, this is where we pick up the story. So if you're able, why don't we read it together? So this is John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. So just a few verses. But if you're able... Can, the words are up there. Let's read this together. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said this. He showed them his hands and side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Wow, what an interesting starting point. We're going to talk about 
Jesus being the sent one and how he sends, that the very people he wants to send at the beginning, and this is so encouraging for us, didn't want to go. What a starting point, isn't it? Jesus has been telling them, explaining to them, modeling to them. They think they got it for three years. Jesus died, and they go into like lockdown mode, like fearful, scared, confused, grieving, shame, all kinds of different things. And where does Jesus find them? They've locked themselves in a room out of fear. Folks, just can we just stop there for a moment? There's hope for all of us. Because <laughs> we're going to be talking about oh, Jesus is sending us. And a lot of times we just say, I'm disqualified. I don't even want to go. Jesus can work with that. <laughs> These were his disciples who he poured into. And their starting point is this. They've locked themselves in a room out of fear, and they're not going anywhere. <laughs> and I always find it so comforting and so amazing because when Jesus shows up and reveals himself to us, I have a lot of different reactions if I was Jesus about what I'd want to say to these guys. I poured my life into them. Three years, I've taught them, and they're like, yeah, Jesus, we're with you, we get it. And they deserted Jesus, they betrayed Jesus, they fled, they let Jesus down, Jesus dying on a cross, they're nowhere to be seen. And this is the first reunion with them. You know what I would say? You don't want to know what I would say. <laughs> I'd be angry. I would be hurt. I'd be so grieved. I would. My first words to these dudes would not be, peace be with you. I'd be like, guys, I'm so frustrated with you. I'm so angry with you. I'm so disappointed in you. That's, that, that would be my reaction. And folks, we've just been singing about this morning, God of love, mercy. Doesn't that demonstrate it? The first two things Jesus says, peace be with you. If you didn't get it the first time, peace be with you. Folks, that's an amazing, forgiving, merciful God. Jesus says, and he starts with, peace be with you. But he says this, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So this morning, I just want to take a quickly look at, how did the Father send Jesus? How was Jesus sent? How was the sent one sent? And we're going to look briefly at three things of how Jesus was sent. And in a similar way, this is how Jesus is sending us. All right, so let's quickly look at these things. First of all, Jesus is sent with the Father's peace. The Father loves his Son. And before Jesus even begins his ministry as the sent one, before Jesus did anything for God, before his teachings and healings and miracles and everything, and we see Jesus being born at Christmas, and we get a little bit when he's just a young guy, at the temple, and his parents leave him, and they can't find him, and they go back, and then basically we don't hear anything else. And then we pick it up when Jesus begins his ministry, and this is what we read. Luke 3, 21 to 23. The words are up there. Jesus was baptized too. This is in water. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, 
you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Folks, before we talk about doing, we always start with being, and Mark's been doing this in the book of Ephesians. It's our identity. Before we get to the what are we going to be doing, we've got to know who we are. And before Jesus did anything, this is so incredible, the Father says to Jesus, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What has he done yet? What has he done yet? Seemingly hardly anything. (laughs) So this is where we're starting because sometimes messages on sending and going can be a bit heavy and can be a bit like a motivational talk. We're starting with God loves us before we do anything. And what have we been talking about over and over again? That our identity is not achieved, it is received. We have to say it over and over again because our culture is so much on performance that our identity is on who we are because of what we do. And the Christian worldview and experience is totally different. Our identity is not achieved, it's received. And there's some key foundations in Jesus' life that are established right at the very beginning before he does anything. His identity is established. You are my son. He's given a blessing before he does anything. I love you. With you, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Folks, it's not based on performance. Jesus is secure in his identity because the Father loves him as a son. And he's anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He's given sonship. He's marked. He's sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to empower and enable Jesus to live. And as we've gone through before, even though Jesus was fully God, he laid aside the use of being fully God, and he was dependent on the Holy Spirit as he was fully human to do the things that God called him to do. Jesus has peace with the Father. He has the Father's peace, the Father's blessing. Father and Son. Folks, that's so key that when we behold Jesus, we recognize his identity was secure as the Son of God, and the Father loved and blessed him. We have this, the Father's plan. Jesus came to save and to serve. That's his purpose, was to serve God. And there's so many verses I could use, but another one just up on the slide, John 3, 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God sent his son to save. That was his purpose. He didn't send angels. He didn't send prophets. He didn't send priests or kings. He sent the perfect prophet, priest, and king, Jesus, his own son, to save. He was sent to save. He was sent to serve. Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. He came to sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Paul writes this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Folks, again, we talk about it, but just think about it for a minute. Jesus sacrificed his comfort to obey God and to be the sent one. He left heaven, angels, elders, living creatures, worshiping him, complete union and presence of God. And he came where? He came here. Stables, mangers, shepherds, 
dirty, messy, broken world. He left heaven where he was rich. He became poor to be with us. So through his poverty, we might become rich. What a Savior. Folks, when we behold the sent one, Jesus, he knew the Father's peace, he knew the Father's plan. And this, he had the Father's provision. Next slide, Acts 10, 38. This is a great one to remember over and over again. Peter, he's with Cornelius and the Gentiles. He says this, You've heard how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So the Father just didn't send Jesus and say, good luck, you're on your own. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, was with Jesus. He was anointed and provided with the Holy Spirit. And this, as we read, Jesus, at his baptism, received the Holy Spirit. And if we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read things like this, that that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went here. Jesus returned from the desert in the power of the Spirit. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit His anointing, his power was given to Jesus for Jesus to fulfill his plan. So hopefully some of these things we're going to come back to for us. What else did the Father provide? The Father provided friends for Jesus. He provided 72 and 12 and 3 and 1. He had big crowds, but then there was like 70, 72 that seemed to follow him. Then we've got the 12 disciples, and it says out of the 12, he had three really kind of extra special friends. And out of them, he had one, John, the Beloved. And he provided people like Mary and Martha and Lazarus, it says, who were dear friends. He provided a group of women who helped supply so many needs for Jesus. God provided, God provided resources. He provided food and shelter and money. Do you remember Jesus had to pay taxes? He says, Peter, go down. The first fish you catch, you're going to find a coin in the fish's mouth. Like, God provided miraculously. He provided a donkey when Jesus needed it. He provided angels and rest and encouragement. Folks, before we talk about sending and going and doing, behold, Jesus, the sent one. How was Jesus sent? He was sent with the Father's peace. He knew his identity. It wasn't based on achievement. It was received. He knew the Father's plan. There was a purpose for him being sent, but the Father provided. That is our model in Jesus. And this is what Jesus says. As the Father has sent me, what's he saying to his disciples? I am sending you. So this morning, Christ Central, if we consider ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus is saying to us this morning, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So I'm just going to reread that passage from John 20, verses 21 and 22. Jesus appeared to the disciples. What was their starting place? Fear. That was their starting place. Shame. Guilt. Hiding. Not an enthusiastic bunch, was it? <laughs> and some of us might feel that way today. We might feel disqualified. And this is what Jesus says to us this morning. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, 
I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So folks, briefly, I just want to take a look. What we learn from Jesus as we're beholding him, he's the sent one. What can we learn? So as Jesus sends us, he sends us in the same way. We start with this. We start with the Father's peace. Peace be with you. I say it again. Peace be with you. And the good news of the gospel is this. When we repent, when we turn from our own way of living life, whatever that might look like, and we believe and trust in Jesus for our salvation, folks, here's a reminder of the things that we're delivered from. You ready? Here's the things we're delivered from. We're delivered from the penalty of sin. Folks, there has to be justice for the things that we do that are wrong and fall short of God's glory and that disobey God. And we want justice when people do wrong against us. We want mercy when we do wrong to others. <laughs> but someone has to pay that penalty, and Jesus on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins. So that those things aren't held against us. He delivers us from the power of sin. We were singing about that this morning. Jesus breaks the power of sin over our lives, whatever that might be. Some things are more obvious, some things are more hidden. Jesus sets us free. Jesus delivers us from the pollution of sin. That's why that forgiveness part is so key in there. Jesus said to his disciples earlier, he says, freely you have received, now you can freely give. And folks, forgiveness is a huge choice. Because we can live bitter, revengeful, shameful, fear, resentments, maybe the wrongs we've done or maybe the wrongs done to us. And in Christ, we're forgiven, even though we don't deserve it. Therefore, we can choose to forgive others and leave them to God. We're delivered from the partition that separates us from God. Gary was just saying that this morning. It's like, how good it is, God, that we can come into your presence through Jesus Christ that we have access to you. That no longer, that barrier is removed. That we can call God Father. That we can draw near to God as he draws near to us. Folks, all these are gifts from God. And Angela led us in that prayer last week. God, I'm sorry, I repent. I turn from all these different things and I turn to you. And that please, Jesus, would you forgive me? Please, I'm sorry for the things I've done. Jesus, would you please enter my life? Be number one in my life. And then we're thankful. Say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me your Holy Spirit. Folks, how great is Kenyanga? Coming, I've never met, honestly, I don't think I've never met a more thankful person. And him coming this morning and saying, God, I thank you. People are like, Kenyanga, Africa, why do you like, you know, you must hate winter. No. Hey, no mosquitoes, no malaria. We're good. <clears throat> Folks, Ken Young is not, he's not just being funny. He's thankful. The Bible talks about being thankful in all circumstances. Kenyunga, Pamela, they've learned through some pretty difficult circumstances. They're not just being positive, they're choosing to be thankful. As we behold Jesus, 
the good news of what he's done. We put our faith and our hope in him. Guess what? He gives us his identity. The Bible says now that we're hidden in Christ. And folks, this is good news. Your identity then is not achieved. It is received. In Christ, we can hear the Father saying, Joe Crummy, Joey Crummy, Joseph Crummy, whatever way you want to say it, you're my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You can say, God, no, I, you know all the things, you know how I fall short, you know the inner life, and even if other people don't see it, you know what I'm really like, and all these things, God, no. Joseph Douglas Crummy, in Christ, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I can't earn it. Can't perform well enough. It's a gift. But folks, that's our foundation, that we're secure in Christ. It's good news. It's good news. That's the truth of God's word. And folks, it gets even better because you know what God does? He says, I want you to stand on that truth, but I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as we read in Romans 5, 5, does this. The Holy Spirit pours the love of the Father into our hearts. So even when we don't feel it, we stand on God's truth. I'm secure in Christ because God's word says it. Hallelujah. And we do that because our feelings are up and down. But sometimes, it's good to have some feelings. <laughs> that go, I know I am loved by God. And sometimes that happens in our worship times, isn't it? You come in, you come in cold, and you're coming in like, ah, oh, I'm glad King Younga is happy about winter, but I hate winter. And we come in and we're cranky and we're angry and we've had a terrible week and all these different things. And then about third song, you're just like, the tears are there and you're like, God loves me. How good it is to be loved by you. And God breaks in and the Holy Spirit reminds us and we experientially understand that we're loved by God. And that's powerful as well. And we receive the Holy Spirit. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit when we're born again. We're born of the Spirit of God. God comes and lives inside of us. But then we're baptized, we're filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. We're immersed, we're dipped, we're plunged. And sometimes that happens at salvation, like we see with Cornelius in Acts 10. But most of the time, it seems to happen after salvation. We're born of the Spirit, we have the down payment, deposit, guaranteeing. And then we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, things change. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in us. And our desires start to change. And we lose some of our fear. And sometimes we kind of go, I'm not ashamed of the gospel anymore. I might have been ashamed of Jesus before, but now I'm not ashamed because something's different. The Holy Spirit is at work in me. And I can begin to share with people. I can begin to do other things. And God's character starts to get formed in me. And I begin to worship. And I begin to receive spiritual gifts. And things are changing because the Holy Spirit now lives in me. And as Jesus received the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit. And we begin to walk with the Holy Spirit. And we begin to learn what it is to keep in step 
with the Holy Spirit. And we start to learn these promptings of the Holy Spirit saying, I think you should give money to this person. I think you should say a kind word. I think you should text this person a word of encouragement. I think you should give this scripture to somebody. Folks, that actually gets really exciting. That's kind of fun. Because you do wake up and go, I wonder what God's going to do today. Because Jesus, of all things, was not boring, that's for sure. Folks, our starting point is this. We receive peace with God. That's what Romans talks about. And the only way we get peace with God is through Jesus Christ. That's why we're Christ central. (laughs) Because Christ is central for everything. And then we're about the Father's plan. We point people to the Savior. We don't save people but we talk about the Savior. And so we read this, I think this is up on a slide as well, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we went through this before. Paul says this, in explaining all that, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're his sent ones. Remember we did a whole message on this about being ambassadors. I had the, do I have the passport? I might have kept the passport. I don't know if I kept the passport or not. I don't think I did. It's in the safety deposit box. Okay, Angela will be happy. We're ambassadors. We represent, and he says this, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're sent ones as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Folks, we're sent to share this message and to model and to live this message. Now, God speaks to people in dreams. Absolutely, God, in one hand, doesn't need us. Absolutely. But you know who God primarily works through? That's exactly it. And you. Mm-hmm. We're Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So definitely we pray that God would reveal himself to people in dreams, supernatural. We, we pray those things. But folks, most of the time, God is making his appeal through us. And we're going to spend some more time on that over these next few weeks and months. We're called to serve, Ephesians 2.10. Mark already did a whole message on us. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So our good works don't earn salvation, but when we're saved, we got a lot of good works to be about. <laughs> freely we've received, we freely give. We're called to sacrifice, Matthew 16.24. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he or she must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Behold, Jesus, the sent one. Jesus sends you and I. We have the Father's peace. We're about the Father's plan, and we have the Father's provision. I've already said it about the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. He gives us friends. He gives us the church. Together, we love and serve and help. Together. We do it in our individual lives, but a lot of things we do together. God provides other people locally and around the world. God provides resources. God provides money to do things. God provides spiritual gifts. God provides gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. God provides buildings. God provides the right timing. God provides his word. God provides rest, encouragement, supernatural. Whew! So many things God provides. It's his provision. We're not left to our own. So folks, in closing, the application is, as we behold Jesus We need to see as one aspect of Jesus, he is the sent one. And it's a process, but Jesus would say to us, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And folks, even if our starting place is this, we might be scared or hiding or feel disqualified. He gives us his peace. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us our identity. He gives us new plans and purposes, and he provides that we're his sent ones, we're his witnesses, we're his ambassadors. And where do we go? We're to love our neighbors in our networks of friends and system relationship that could be online it could be family work recreation to the nations as we've said many times the nations are here in Fredericton and we're going to the nations and folks I could just I could go up and down every aisle and just talk about how you're already ambassadors wherever you might be and we'll take a look at that over these next few months because everyone's involved so none of you are disqualified so it's not just elders pastors it's Everybody, like I said, I could go up and down every aisle and point out everywhere where you are, even if you think you're in a very mundane situation, you are Christ's ambassador where you are. And this week, or last past Sunday, as a couple of examples, we were able to pray for Rick Mooney. So Rick's leaving today. And he's using, and God's using him through his job as a police officer He's going to the Hague, and he's going to be used there in an international way. And that's God using Rick in his vocation to be about the kingdom and purposes of God through. We had Peter, we prayed for Peter Fraser, bless him, left Thursday up in northern Quebec, bringing as a teacher and sort of as one who trains. He's going as an ambassador of Christ for his work. And we had updates on New Year's Day from Rebecca Jackshaw as a nurse, from Martin and Ann Martin as a pilot, and as an occupational therapist, Southeast Asia. Folks, this is being sent. But you need to understand this. Betty at her apartment building is a sent one. Kim at St. Thomas is a sent one. April at the deck is a sent one. So it's global but it's very local as well. And folks, we've been praying and believing since 2009 when we believe God dropped this in our hearts about 12 towns and cities here in Atlantic Canada. And I just wanted to give an update on a discernment process that we've been going through as leaders and for us as a church. And this one started about 10 years ago and specifically regarding Halifax. And so 10 years ago, when Mark and Debbie were thinking about moving from England to Canada, one of the things we talked about was, should they go and church plant in Halifax? And we talked about that back in like 2011, 2012, 2013. Do they go right there from England? And as we went through that process, it was testing and weighing, and we felt no. And actually it was kind of a bit of a pain in some ways because us saying no to them going there made a big roadblock and barrier of like, well, what do we do and God provided a way for them to go to Ontario and then open up the door for them to return here to Fredericton and so over the past few years we've been talking and praying about that and then especially it seems like it's kind of in the last six to eight months things have been stirring and praying and processing and pointing towards possibly a move for the Rushworth family to go to Halifax in the next 18 months so here's what I want to do is briefly I want to share that process 
and then we're saying, we don't want to make this decision on our own. We need, we, us as a church, need to be in this decision. And we're looking at the next sort of five to six months to bring some confirmation to the things I'm about to share. And But we need to bring it public so that we can be about these things together. So let's take a look at why are we even sharing this morning. Well, this is the process we've been on. And I'm going to use the things from Alpha, How Does God Guide Us? And we've been looking at commanding scripture, and this message goes along with it, that there's a call to go in the Bible. And so looking at how does that get worked out today. We've got compelling spirits of the Holy Spirit. So Mark and Debbie have been feeling more of that inner calling. There's been some different prophetic words that we have to be careful and test and weigh, but they do prompt. And some of those words are from like 15 years ago right up to present day. And so the Bible says to test and weigh prophecy. There's some circumstantial signs in there. There's been some interest from others. There's been some financial provision. There's been some common sense thrown in there regarding family life and timing and different things like that. And then this is the one that we're asking for. There's the Council of the Saints. So we took from this past summer till Christmas to say we're going to take four or five months. Do we even feel God's really in this for us to share that with the church? Because we don't want to be flippant about these things. And so for the last four or five months, we've been praying and discussing as elders. We've gone to some of our apostolic leaders. We've gone to some of our trusted friends and just saying, this is what we're thinking and feeling. We want to see if the Holy Spirit is confirming in that. And we've had enough of a yes in order for us to say, okay, in the new year, we want to share this with the church. That folks, we're asking, okay, this is a big decision. This has a lot of implications, a lot of implications for the Rushworth family, a lot of implications as people are looking at maybe possibly going and moving from here and from other places. And that leaves a lot of implications for us here in Fredericton as well, as it leaves some pretty big holes in a lot of different things. So this isn't, again, just something you do on a whim. This is like, whew, we feel the weight of these decisions. But we as a church... We need over these next few months. So we're looking at summer of 2024. So we're still talking 18 months away. We're given a ramp here for us to be able to say we need to do this well and we need to be organized and full of faith, but there's a lot of things we got to get in place. So we're asking over these next few months, we're going to pray together. We're going to call out to God together. We're going to trust God's going to speak through the body. There could be some prophetic words, common sense some of you might feel stirred to join in and if you have that stirring please come talk to us as elders we're looking for confirmation we're looking for affirmation and we're saying up front if in the next several months we feel God's put the brakes on it and maybe we're looking at a different time frame or maybe God's closing that door we're admitting up front we want to be obedient to what the spirit is saying and if that door closes, we'll deal with those consequences and trust God in that. But right now, we're leaning in this direction that we're believing in summer of 2024, Mark and Debbie and their family will be moving to Halifax, and we're praying that God's going to provide a team to do that. So here's some next steps that we're doing. is We're going to be visiting Halifax, actually going there, and so Gary, Mark, and I are actually going there this week, as we see some of our crew in Wolfville, we'll spend some time in Halifax praying. We've got Jeremy Simpkins coming in April, our apostolic oversight, who's going to help talk and pray and walk this through. We're looking at doing an assessment 
So we're actually joining another network family of churches who do a three-day assessment for those who are thinking about church planting to go through some testing, actually, and some, and Gary and I will be going to represent us as leadership. Um, and going, Gary and I have sat in those before, but we actually haven't, someone, haven't had someone from our church go through that process. So we're looking at doing that in May as part of it. We're going to be praying. We got, so we've got some next steps that we're believing as we go through that. God's going to reveal his will to us as we knock on those doors. And we're looking at maybe by, we'll see, uh, maybe by the church weekend June that we're going to be able to see. What we're seeking, as we see in the book of Acts, is seeing good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's what we're looking for. And the us is us as a church family. So folks, we admit this is a big stretch. It's going to stretch us leadership-wise, financially, people-wise. But that's what God does. (laughs) And we've seen it many times before, and we're going to see it again, and we're going to see it again and again and again. And so we're going to trust God. We're seeking God. But for all of us, this isn't just about Mark and Debbie and Grace and Josh this morning. This is about all of us. We're all sent ones if we're following Jesus. He's the sent one. Behold, I am sending you. And this is one aspect of us as a family, as a local church, believing God, trusting God and being obedient to God. And folks, it's scary. It is. But it's also kind of exciting to think what God has in store for us to humbly play our part in seeing local churches established in Atlantic Canada around the world. And folks, we'll save it for another day. But Halifax needs a lot of churches. Been there, a lot of churches closing down, dwindling, populations expanding. There's a need just to, in case we say, why do we need another church in Halifax? We do. And we want to humbly play our part in that. All right, why don't we stand? Thank you for allowing me to share those things. And can I just say this? We've been talking about and praying about these things for the last several months. I know for some of you hearing that for the first time, that might be a bit of a shock. That's okay. You're, you can just take some time to process, and that's why we're given 18 months. We're not saying, oh, guess what, next week, they're off. No. Mm-hmm. That was more actually like the book of Acts. But anyways, we'll, we're, we're, we're catching up. Mm-hmm. But we're in this together. Okay. So I want to pray. And then we're going to sing, really, again, a lot of times our closing songs, a bit of a response to say yes to what God's stirring and saying to us. So Father in heaven, I want to thank you today that part of your plan, your plan was to send Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you that you were obedient to the Father's plan. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your part. I thank you that Jesus is the sent one. You obeyed your Father, that you came. You who were rich became poor. That those who were poor could become rich in Christ. And we thank you, Lord. We are thankful today for what a great salvation, what a great Savior. Father, we thank you for your great plan. God, we thank you that we're at peace with you now through Jesus Christ. We thank you that you provide. And Jesus, I pray, Lord, I, 
Lord, just trying to be obedient. Holy Spirit, you're the one who needs to, in all of our hearts, just stir us to say that we are all sent ones. Lord, here in our neighborhoods, our network of friends, and to the nations. And Lord, we just submit everything that we've just shared and say, Lord, lead us, guide us, speak to us. Lord, we pray for confirmation, Lord, that we would be able to say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Lord, whatever you're asking us to be and do, Lord, for your glory and for the good of those around us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, as we worship together, can I just say this? For our 18 to late 20s crew, as Mark talked about last week, I urge you to come the 27th, 28th, 29th. We've got six coming from Charlottetown right now. We've got three coming from St. John's, Newfoundland. We've got a group coming from Wolfville, Nova Scotia. They're making some sacrifices to be here because we believe we're going to meet God. We're going to be different. And God's going to knit us together. So can I just ask, please get registered. And again, we've got, in a good way, more people coming than we thought from these different areas. So if you have a room for that weekend that you could help be a part of, please let us know.